0: Do you like to welcome each one here this morning? There's one verse that Kevin read that I'd like you to hang on to. The people out of uh, the Lord's having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them. The last message I talked about the four cups. I I read a verse, and I'd like to expand on. On that, of just what is happening with what was happening with the children of Israel. It's good to see uh, Jordan here this morning after his ordeal this week. And I I also noticed as Terrell was talking about Kevin, or uh, Nathan, and he was walking in the back, and I thought, wow, have surgery and back to walking so soon. I read uh, in Exodus 6 two verses um, verse 6 and 7 wherefore say unto the children of Israel I am the Lord I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt and I will rid you of their bondage I will redeem you with a stretched-out arm and with great judgment and I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a god and you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of Egypt so the lord had promised israel that he was going to bring him out so i wanted to go back and just look at the uh, the life of what was going on in egypt so I'm going to read, be reading um, different portions here in Exodus. So the first one is in Exodus 1.14. And this kind of brings out the idea of what the children of Israel were going through at that time in, in Egypt. And remember the story of Jacob, uh, Joseph bringing the children of Israel to Egypt. Now um, there rose a king that didn't know Joseph, and they put burdens on the, uh, the children, became their slaves. And it seemed like that this new king realized well, these people are, are, are uh, prospering tremendously, they're having big families, and they're going to take over the land. So he ad- added some more burdens to them, and you'll read that in verse 14. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in bricks, and in all manner of service in the fields, and all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Then I want to go to chapter 2 and verse 23 to 25. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And you can know the word sighed is like Finally, and their cry, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now, if you notice, one thing is their life was hard and they were bitter. But if you notice in verse 23, they sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried. But it didn't say anything about crying out to God. And I think all along they were, they were uh, in bondage and it was really bothering them, but they didn't cry out to God like they should have but God did hear the cry and God remembered his covenant that he had with with, um, with Abraham and, and so on then I want to go to Exodus 14 verse 11 and we see that after this they were taken out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea Okay, remember God says I was going to be your, your God. I was going to, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be with you. And then he says, then he brings them out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was chastened. Let's read 11 verse 12. And they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now think about what they're just saying. They were just... Uh, groaning because, and they were bitter because of the bondage that they were facing. And now that they were taken out, right away they say it had been better for us to be back in Egypt than to die here in the wilderness. What was going through their mind? I want to get to that here before too long. Exodus 16, verse 2 and 3. It says, And the whole congregation, this is when they went through the Red Sea. They had their experience of that. And to me, if I was to see what happened and to walk through, I would have no doubt of, of trusting God. Or would I? In 16, verse 2, it says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel, murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And then I want to go to Numbers 13. I want to go back to Exodus here again, so keep your finger there. But in Exodus 11, verse 4 and 8, where they were crying for meat, and God sent them meat. He sent them quail, and they had more quail than what they could handle. Verse 4, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And remember, this manna appeared every morning on the frost, and they would gather, and it was enough to... to uh, sufficient for for each day and the people went about and gathered oh no and the manna was coriander seed and the color thereof the color of Videllum, and the people went about and gathered it and, and ground it into the mills or beat it in a mortar baked it in pans and made cakes of it and taste of it was a taste of fresh oil and we get the idea that there was at times where it tasted like, uh, somewhere I read uh, wafers and honey, and it sounded like it would be very good, but they missed their meats. They were wishing for things back in Egypt. Do you see a pattern? Now remember I said that taking Israel out of Egypt was a type of... God bringing us out of the the bondage of of the sin nature giving us a new a new life Do you see a pattern coming out of the old life that was bitter that was hard and then wishing to go back having a new life, and then wishing to go back to the old. Now, in verse uh, Exodus 13, verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, because he knew that when they saw war, that they would repent and go back to Egypt, So God would never put anything in our lives to push us back into the old, into the old, into Egypt, or push it back into this, to the uh, fleshly, the sin nature that's in us. You know, when he says, I'll give you a new life, he will never put anything in our lives to push us back to the old life. So why do we go back to the old life? Why do we desire that? Why did the Egypts desire to go back to the old life? If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16, we see that um, talking about how God was with them, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and then he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. So the reason God was taking them through this wilderness experience was um, to humble them, to realize who they are. He took them also through this to prove them of who he was and sometimes I think when we come out of our our sin nature the fleshly desires where we cry out to God that I want freedom from this and God gives us a new life we kind of desire um, God has to put things in our lives maybe to change the course because it's, it's hard to, to go from one life to another. I mean, I've heard stories of those who, you know, once they become saved, all their sinful habits or their, the habits that they were involved in just kind of went away. But I want to look at this whole idea of what was causing all this what what was going on in their brains to, to cause them to want to go back to Egypt? And I wonder, seeing the power of God and then still wanting to go back, what was going through their minds? And I'm wondering, is it any different with us today? You know, we can say, well, you know, how could they do that? It was so... I mean, they couldn't have... It just seemed ridiculous that because of their lifestyle and everything and and then, you know, rebelling against God who has just performed miracle after miracle after miracle and then see him perish. Well, we are the same way. We are living in our sinful nature. We accept Christ. And then we start doubting God and we start not trusting in him we could perish just like like they did in our life so are are we any different do we find ourselves going back or desiring to go back to the bondage that God has saved us from you know the bondage of of you know what drew you to Christ Is the Christian life a struggle for you? Do we find ourselves battling? Should I or shouldn't i I do I wish I didn't. I want to go to Galatians five and read a verse and then go to Romans seven and see paul 's struggle that he had and we we do look up to paul and Feeling like Paul God was really with Paul. But in uh, Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen and seventeen it says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. For the lust for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Get that? You cannot do the things you would. Here's our sinful nature. We automatically want to do those things, but we know we shouldn't. Then, if we go to Romans chapter 7, we see Paul's struggle here. Starting with verse 14. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soul under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I can set unto the law that it is good. Now, now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that which I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin that is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this? From the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind. I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. So you see the battle that's going on. The the lust of the flesh, the law of sin, is ever present with us. So when God has called us out of that, we still have to, to deal with that. So then if we go to Romans 8, and I want to read... The first nine verses out of the ESV, I, I think it just says it a little more clear, but it has the same message to it. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened By the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If the fact, the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not know him or belong to him. And I like the way they say that, is, you know, we are now in the Spirit, and today is Pentecost, and the Spirit is now dwelling within us. So the the Spirit is leading and he's directing us. So why the battle? Well, I'd like to look at what is going on, what went on with the children of Israel and what goes on in our life. You know, I can imagine the children of Israel coming home from work tired and they sat down to a, a steak, well they, I don't know, they just wanted flat, uh, meat but sat down to a, a good meal. They had flavorful meal, had garlic uh, leek flavor it, and it was just a good meal. And that was a reward of their hard bondage. So when they got set free they lost they're good food, and because of that, they wanted to go back into bondage. And can you see the the battle that goes on? And I think that's how our brains work. And I would like to talk about um, about that. Who do you wanna? Who do you wanna be? What do you wanna be? What what in your life do you desire the most? Uh, maybe it's to be a better Christian, to walk closer with God. Maybe it's to be more of a Christ-like dad or mom. Or maybe to be a godly friend and encouragement to someone. Or I might just ask, what area in your life would you like to grow in? So the question is, what does it take to get there? Has our habits, which I would probably, for Chad's sake, be the title, habits, has our habits in life support what we want to be, or does it take away what we want to be? And I can imagine... Just lately, I've been aware of a few things that, you know, I've heard people that wanted to be, the follow Christ. They want to do what's right. They want to uh, do good. But then you ask, well, what are your struggles in your life? He says, well, I just don't have time for devotional or prayer life. And I'm thinking how how are you going to get here if you don't change your habits here? Um, I get up in the morning. Habits are good, but habits can be bad too. I wake up in the morning every morning and I have a habit. When it used to be with my alarm. Well, now I have an inner alarm, so I just automatically get up. But when it's time to get up, I get up. I don't sit there and push snooze. You know, I think that's... Ridiculous, But some people have that habit, and that's fine. But I get up, I go about, you know, getting ready, and go down, make coffee, and as the coffee's brewing, I read the Bible and pray, and then I drink my cup of coffee. And that becomes a habit. I don't even think about it. I just wake up, that's what I do. And that's, I would say, is a good habit. And, you know, basically we are, if you really look at your life, your, your life is a, it's kind of a life of habits. You know, we have a habit of what we like to do, we just do it. And that's what a habit is. A habit is something that you enjoy doing, and so you continue to do that, and then that becomes a habit in your life. So our brains automatically tell us what to do because of that habit. Well, our brains are also sensitive to, sensitive to things that are happening to our life. Like I'm, I had a stressful day at work. I come home, and to relieve that stress, I want to go on a bike ride so i go on, a, go on a bike ride what's the next time that i have a stressful day what is my brain going to tell me to do go on a bike ride and you know and i say those are good habits but sometimes we have a day where we might have where we might be lonely and we do something and we find ourselves pleasurable like watch a movie or we read a book, or maybe we look at um, our phones, uh, play games, or, or get on websites where we shouldn't. Well, when we get in that situation in our life, that is automatically is what our brain is going to tell us to do. And like I say, I think the children of Israel were prime examples of that. And I think that's where we struggle with, is we, we now have a new life, we have been changed in our life, but our old habits are still there. And so that's what we're going to have to, to work with. Can, uh, you can look at a habit, and it's kind of broken down in four ways, and that, that's why I would like to uh, kind of share that with you. Uh, Jerry kind of mentioned it this morning when he reads Psalms 23 that triggers a thought of of being over in Israel and lots of times that happens you know I'll do something or I'll go outside and smell the air it reminds me of maybe Oregon or, or somewhere else and that triggers that. and that's what what we do there's a cue something is cueing us to to do what we um, what our heart is desiring, or our habit is doing. For an example, I, over this COVID thing, you know, I came home from work and, you know, just kind of the knowing you couldn't go anywhere and, you know, just wishing that one part of my life I could stay home and then now I wish I could go away. But I started coming home and then I, in the evenings, we you know, have popcorn, a bowl of ice cream. and Well, that started to become a habit. When I walked in a house, that cued me to food. And so because of, you know, just the whole stress about life, I would comfort myself in picking up a bowl of a cookie, or I'd open the fridge, and if there's nothing there, I'd open the cupboard door, and, you know, eventually I'd find something. But that's a habit that was cued by me coming into the house. So now, do I not come into the house? Well, I would trust that you would. But the craving, when when I walked into the house then, that cued me to something. And then I started having a craving. I started, even though I wasn't hungry, I just craved something. And have you ever noticed that when you crave something, you're never satisfied? Well, what the craving is doing is, is stimulating, a re, or is reminding you of a reward. You know, a bowl of ice cream is very rewarding, or, or a walk is very rewarding, or whatever it is, um, looking at the wrong sites on our phones is, is rewarding. So what we do is then we respond, we get our reward, and then that cycle continues. You know, we, we go into a situation on a Friday night, we we're used to, we have a bit, had a big week, we stop and get coffee, we found that very rewarding, so then every Friday, my brain just automatically tells me, I gotta have my coffee, it's the end of the week, and I'm rewarded. So do you get the pattern that habits are. Well, the problem is our brain never tells us of the consequences of this habit. It tells me of the reward, but it doesn't tell me of the consequences. You know, my brain says I would enjoy a piece of pie. My heart tells me that I shouldn't. Who wins? My heart doesn't give me a reward. My brain gives me a reward. And I think there's the battle. The battle our heart tells us it's wrong, but our brain does not tell us there's anything wrong with it. The brain doesn't tell me that I'm going to be overweight that it's going to make me feel sick later on. I think we struggle with the same thing that the children of Israel struggled with, just in a different way. We want to be free. The children of Israel want to be free. But yet, our brains are telling us to enjoy it. It's pleasurable. And we struggle back and forth. So how do we break this? If we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it talks about, um, well, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a, a training of the mind. I've got to train that, that habit. I've got to think differently. And then, going back to Galatians 5:16 which i read earlier about walking in the spirit and not in the flesh so when i'm walking in the flesh i'm continually thinking and constantly desiring the things that this fallen nature enjoys but when i walk in the spirit i'm my mind is think is consciously and con- constantly desiring god So when I come to a point in life with my habit, I say, is this pleasing to God or is it not? That's the choice that I'm going to make. By renewing your mind, I'm going to continue to make that choice of pleasing God rather than pleasing my flesh and the desires of my heart. So I really encourage you. The next time, whatever you're struggling with, next time, think rationally. Is this really honoring God? Is this um, helping my body to become more healthy, or is it not? Is this helping me reach my, what I want in life, my old habits? And you evaluate that. And don't be stuck in the mud. Change those habits. And we can. We can train. We can renew. and it, But it takes a continuously effort. And I think that's where the grace of God comes in. And the Holy Spirit living within us is keeps nudging us. This is the right way to do. Follow me. And I will be your shepherd. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear God, we are so grateful for your love and, yeah, just your abundant mercy that you have bestowed upon us. Yeah, we do desire to want to follow you with our whole heart, and we do, but yet our flesh, that sinful nature that's still dwelling in us sometimes causes us to... Um, lose our way so we just pray Lord that you would continue to guide us through your spirit and lead us to you and we do pray Lord for each one especially the younger ones as they're going through the stage of of, uh, yeah just Satan just seems to be popping things into their mind that they have to decipher through and and I just pray, Lord, that you would bless them through that time. And also pray for the young families here with children. I just pray for them and and their time of raising children can be a a very detriment to their uh, devotional time and prayer. And I do pray, Lord, for them and that they'll find in that. So we just want to commit that to you in Jesus' name. Amen.